Alright, so after the power struggle of the century, we're done. We're made it. We're finally alive. I didn't think I was ever going to get that done. <laughs> I... I was having some streaming software. I software streaming software issues tonight. Why is that hard to say? So I had to do the classic IT. Did you shut it down and restart it routine? And we connected right away. I don't know what the issue was there. I fought it and fought it and fought it. Wouldn't connect to the server. But we're back. We're in action. BP Hero Podcast, season seven, episode twenty-five. I'm just firing from the hip tonight. Listen. I'm already in vacation mode. (laughs) It's Wednesday. I go on vacation next week. I'm going to take my computer with me and attempt to podcast while we're on vacation. I don't know what my internet is going to be like at the cabin we're staying in. So I'm not going to make any promises on that until I get a gauge on our internet. I'll know more on Tuesday. So, stay tuned for that. Hopefully, I'll know something sooner. But we do uh, plan on arriving Tuesday around noon. So, that's the plan for that. And even if it's something that, if the internet's not very good and I have to, like, pre-record, you might say, and then upload, I can kind of evaluate that. Because I've I've been in between waiting until Tuesday to say something or just pre-record and... Post it on Tuesday and just roll on. No, sorry, post it on Wednesday and roll on. So real quick, doing the usual, letting everybody file in. You're not going to miss anything. So do me a favor. Real quick, head somewhere, don't care where. Copy this link and share it. Let's get the crowd going again tonight. Or you can just go to the BP Hero Facebook page. And share the post that I'm making right now. Boom. The podcast is officially shared. Let's see. Catching up with chat here. Q says, Ladonia World Champs. Let's go. Yeah. So I was really, really, really thinking hardcore about trying to get ourselves in a position to play that tournament. But we leave for vacation literally the next morning. My family's going to hate me, but I'm trying to leave like seven in the morning. But I don't think that's going to go well. Like I'm a big proponent of get on the road really early and give yourself time to get there. Kind of like wind down a little bit from the drive and then get up and do something. Because there's nothing worse than getting to somewhere and then just being like, my God, like all we did was drive all day or we sat in a car all day and I just don't want to do anything now. So I never like leaving at like noon, getting somewhere at four or five o'clock and then you just do nothing with the night besides sit around. And it's to me, it's just a wasted day. Your travel day is a wasted day. So I'm, I'm big on, you know, firing from the hip. Hey, see what I did there? And getting up really early and then making something of the day when we get down there. So we'll see. So back to circling back. So yeah, I I did really want to play Ladonia, but I just don't think it's going to work out. 
Gio, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, no, I'm not playing in the Bush Pepsi. I don't have any tournaments on my schedule at all. Uh, work schedule has just been an absolute dumpster fire. And it's looking like it's not going to get any better. But there is a, a new system in place that's going to try and get us some weekends off. So we're going to see how that goes. Maybe I can like try and plan some tournaments ahead of time. Because I've had uh, a couple of people asking about tournament vlogs and, and game footage and uh, going over uh, tournament swings. Uh, I, I did that a couple of times. And I, I, I would like to get back to doing that. Just like kind of going over my at-bats, like what was my thought process, what I did wrong, what I could have did better. I used to do that a lot when I would play a lot of league. I would take the GoPro with me, stick it on the fence, and then just get home and, and just kind of go over my at-bats, see what I could have did differently. Uh, not necessarily like from an approach standpoint, like overthink the approach, like what did I really do wrong? Because a lot of times, again, I, I've said it a thousand times, your swing is not the issue. Your swing is not the issue when you make your outs. It, it drives me crazy. Somebody will be over in a tournament, you know, like after a couple of games, and they're like, oh, my swing just feels like crap. My swing feels like I need to adjust this. Somebody says, yeah, I need to fix your feet. Well, you're all arms. Yeah, you need to use your hips. You need to drive, move your feet, do this, put your hands somewhere, stop. Like, this is a batting practice. So we work on those things in batting practice. And I understand that not everybody gets the opportunity to take as much batting practice as, as someone like I do. But surely you're taking some, right? And again, like, your, your swing is, is kind of like what made you who you are. I'm not saying that swings can't be improved on, but games aren't where to do it. Trust your swing to do what you practice doing with it. Stick to your bread and butter and go from there. Don't make mid-game adjustments, mid-day adjustments. You know, like I've seen people completely change their footwork around, doing stuff different with their hands. They'll go back and forth between, uh, you know, like baseball-style grip and then uh, overlap grip and, and doing all these crazy things. And somebody will add a big hitch to their swing in the middle of the day. Consistency is key. And if we're just firing from the hip, see what I did there again, and doing something completely different, we've never done before like it might click for you again but chances are what your change was wasn't what made you click again it was you're doing something different so now you have to focus you have to focus on what you're doing in your at bat whereas maybe you weren't before nine times out of ten it's something in your mental approach is probably what's screwing you you've got this new something going on in your swing so now you've got to focus on everything else you're doing to make sure that, that goes right it goes hand in hand. But at the end of the day, it's always the mental game. Circling back. So not going to Bush Pepsi or doing anything like that. But I, I do hopefully want to get some tournaments in soon. I'm going to try. I need to look at the schedule uh, at work and see if I can maybe get the weekend off of Show Me Games. And try and play the Show Me Games in Columbia. But probably not looking good. What we're going to see, but that, that should be the next tournament coming up. And it should be vlog-worthy, too, because no matter what, well, I shouldn't say no matter what, but in years past, it's been a two-day tournament. Last year, it wasn't because there was so little amount of teams, so we'll see what happens with it. But um, as far as I know, that will be the next opportunity to play, and I should have some news on that pretty soon. What's up, Adam? How you doing, buddy? Thanks for stopping in on the podcast last week. If you missed last week's podcast with Fat Guy BP, what are you doing? Go back and check it out, whether you're on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you caught it. 
caught this one at. If you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to that one. Some good times. Podcasting with Adam is always the best. We even went a little long, went over our hour mark. We usually shoot for an hour. We we overshot that. And we called it after dark mode. <laughs> we kind of got a little out of control there for a while. Eric, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Got your turfs in? Hey, listen. Got some sick turfs. Headbanger Sports. Hit your boy up to get some. I'm a big New Balance guy. Like, I'm... I'm for, like, casual shoes or, or active shoes... Uh, I'm a, I'm kind of a Nike snob. Gotta have my gotta have my Jordans too. My Jordans are my Air Force Ones. But these New Balance New Balance shoes are the bee's knees. This will be going on my, my third pair. Gosh, over the last man, I think it's been four or five years. So I take a lot of BP, which is a, a lot of a lot of work on your feet, a lot of twisting, a lot of turning. And I'm a big dude, so I can. Not necessarily like wear out a pair of shoes like the bottoms of Mark worn out. Honestly, usually I just push through the sides of them. But the New Balances have held up really well. The pair that I'm wearing in BP now, I've got like a, a pair of BP shoes. I keep those and some gloves in my car. So I keep a, a pair of turfs and some batting gloves and a glove in my car at all times. Like it stays in its own little spot in the trunk. I mean, don't if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Somebody's like, hey, we need a player at 6 o'clock. Hey, you boys on it. Get me a bat. Let's go. I got my stuff. So I got that stuff. Really like my New Balances there. And then I had a pair of the New Balances before the style that just came out. Liked those, but got them really wet in a tournament on accident. And they got pretty funky. <laughs> so it was due for some new ones. Got these New Balances now. They're just come out. The V6s, I think, if I remember correctly. Six shoes, probably the most comfortable ones I've had so far. So if you're in the in the, in the game for some for some turfs, look around at turfs. Hit me up, I got you. Eric got his, and I'll tell you he loves them. Even if you don't, I'm going to tell you he said he loves them. <laughs> Eric says I need to do a live video stream while I'm on some place on vacation. Uh, that'd be cool. I think we're going to. Uh, if you're familiar with anybody familiar with like the Midwest. Uh, we're going to Silver Dollar City in Branson. Maybe I'll go live from Silver Dollar City. Be kind of wild, right? Not really a big theme park guy, but my wife absolutely loves it. So it's going to be fun. It'll be fun to do that. The kids will go and, and do their thing and just run wild once you get there. That's what it's all about, right? Kyle, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Mike, checking in. What's up, Mike? So listen, Mike sent us something on something I found interesting for years. The Mike and KP, let's see for how long, since what, 2016, 17? I think 17. Kyle Pearson has had a 12-inch barrel bat. Now, out of nowhere, I'm starting to see, I think they're Canadian models uh, from another company. And, sorry, another retailer. Golly, would you listen to that? So it's from another retailer, and it's a 12.75-inch barrel. KP's always used a short barrel. Like a 12 inch, I, I refer to a short barrel as a 12-inch barrel. But these are 12.75. 
which is like tiptoe in the line of 13 inch and something Mikan's never or worth has ever really done before with the two piece stuff. So kind of intrigued to see like, is that going to give us a little more sweet spot to work with? Cause for being a 12 inch barrel, Mikan has always done a great job of making that whole thing the sweet spot. So giving this 0.75 more of a barrel. Yes. I understand we're talking like minute measurements, but sometimes that minute measurement can make a difference in how it comes through the zone in the size of the sweet spot. It can, it can make a, a play a lot of differences in a lot of different things when you get down to a technical standpoint. So if it's that much better than a 12 inch, will it be? Cause all we've ever had is 12 inch and 14, 12 and 14. Never really liked the tweener, right? That's what, that's what Brian calls them as tweeners. Uh, something like the, Oh gosh, what's the 13 inch Easton? I can't think now. I'm drawing, I'm drawing a brain fart. There were some 13 inch Eastons. D Marine is big on the 13 inch stuff. So it kind of gives you that short barrel feel, comes around and is controllable like one, but with a bigger sweet spot. So that'd be interesting to see. Fat Guy BP out here hitting 3,000 subs. Jason just getting home from work. Yeah, Kyle, the 1776. So let's talk about that real quick, actually. Let me pull that up. Because I can do that. Boom. So let's talk about it. Headbanger Sports 4th of July slow pitch sale. Use discount code 1776 to take 30% off of select slow pitch bats. Some exclusions do apply to manufacturer rules and policies. That's actually sounded pretty good. <laughs> so there's lots of smoking deals right now. Smoking deals. DeMarinis are, are, are going to be the play with this sale. A lot of DeMarinis, a lot of the Eastons too, are going to be the play here. Uh, I'm, if I get time, I'm going to do a video tomorrow. And kind of go over like what the best deals are to get, what you should buy. There are going to be some that I will suggest buying that won't be part of this sale, but I can still get you a discount on. So if that's something that you're interested in, if this discount code doesn't work, it will tell you if it doesn't work. Uh, hit me up. I can still get you uh, a better price than what's going to be listed retail. It's just some of the stuff that manufacturers, obviously I just said the manufacturer rules and policies won't let them give that much of a discount on or sometimes even any discount at all, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, they're they're making the rules, right? We have to follow them. Uh, Geo, no 100% off codes. Nice try, though, pal. So, Eric, um, send me a message on what bats you were trying to use the discount code on, and I'll see if I can help you out. I do know that like stuff that's on sale or stuff that's like uh, the $200, basically anything that's already on sale, this discount, discount code will not work for. Anything at full retail is going to be pretty cheap, though. Pretty cheap. And we like cheap, right? Geo says SSUSA, which is senior softball. Midwest Championships next weekend. Redbirds going big. So where is that? Where is that at, Geo? That's at BMAC, right? 
So yeah, Kyle, uh, you mentioned the uh, not not necessarily being an Easton guy, but at three twenty retail, the thirty percent off on the comic series is a steal too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Eastons Eastons are better this year. Uh, Easton kind of had a rough go with the two forties last year. There was a couple that were pretty decent, but for the most part, they were pretty blah. Um, obviously, it's going to sound like I'm blowing smoke because it's the headbanger exclusive. But uh, the best I have swung a handful of Eastons and some of the ones that will be coming soon have also not been on the channel yet and I will say that the Headbanger Pal has been my favorite so far and you know we've got see we still got the Black Magic to do we still got the uh, Kapow maybe the Black and Pink one Blue and Pink one whatever it is uh, we got that one to do and then uh, Spencer also picked up a Wham might try and get a review in on that, but he's trying to make sure it passes compression. So he is playing in the conference. Needs to make sure he's got something that's going to be legal for that. What do you need, buddy? Okay. You just you were pacing around in here like you needed something. Yes. Do you need something? Yeah. Oh, you're fine. Got to make sure these kids are taken care of. So yeah, he's got to make sure that uh, his wham is passing compression. So maybe once it gets to uh, the point of failing compression, maybe if it fails on him once, we can get some swings in on it. But I don't want to waste that bat because it's broken. It's it's feeling good. It's hitting well. But I don't want to waste swings that, that he could be using in a tournament where he needs the bat just for us to get a video, right? Uh, Kyle says, a girl in our co-ed league hit her 19 bam. And crushed one, 285 over the outfielder's head. Dude, that's a shot. That's a shot for a girl. You know, I was kind of talking with Spencer about that today. The 11-inch ball is a game changer. I don't know if that's what she hit, and I'm not taking anything away from the fact whether a big ball or a little ball. 285 is a poke. That's 15 feet from being out of a regular softball field. That is, that is roasted. And the 11-inch the ball is a game changer as long as the girl's are comfortable hitting it. Uh, my wife, for instance, hits the 11-inch ball really, really well, but she doesn't see it a lot. I don't have any that I keep on hand. I probably should get some just so she can have some to BP with, you know, if we if we play in a tournament coming up that's got a small ball. But for the, the small amount of co-ed that we play, and especially places we play that use an 11-inch ball, it really wouldn't be worth keeping them around, and she probably wouldn't be interested in going out and hitting BP just to get dialed in with that anyway. But it's a game changer because now the guys don't just go stand on the lip of the grass and wait for the girl to hit the big ball at them. The 11-inch ball gets through the infield faster. It goes further. It plays better. It's a pain in the ass to pitch. I'll say that <laughs> as a pitcher. I do not like pitching the 11-inch ball. When I pitch a 12-inch ball, I can kind of get creative, manipulate a little bit of spin, a little bit of stuff that runs in, throw a curveball, knuckleball. That 11-inch ball, it's just throw cookies and pray to God that it's a strike. I hate pitching the 11-inch ball. But it's a game changer for the girls as long as they, they are good at striking the ball. It makes a world of difference. And the other thing the guys can't do is they also can't play in too far with the 11-inch ball. You know, I know we're talking about hitting it far and getting through the infield faster, but if the guys are playing too far in and it's a sharply hit line drive, base hit, it's getting past them. Especially somewhere like Columbia, if you play at Rainbow, my locals, the grass is so short 
that dude, when a ball hits the grass out there, BMAC is the same way in St. Louis. BMAC is the same way. Dude, when a ball hits out there, it just takes off. I mean, if, if you hit a ball that's like, if you hit a line drive that's not directly at an outfielder, just playing on it, rolling to the fence. It's crazy. So 11-inch balls are definitely a game changer in that. So Kyle says it was a Thunder ZN Pro W. Yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a good ball. That's a good ball. So Adam says it's hard to switch back and forth from uh, the ball's pitching. Yeah, that's probably my biggest complaint. Like there was guys going to play in, in a, an 11-inch tournament somewhere one time. Guys could hit 11-inch balls. They had pitching screens out. They could hit 11-inch balls. Woof. Wow. That that would be an experience right there. And, and even like from a fielding standpoint, the little bit of third base that I used to play back in the day, Throwing the 11-inch ball, not so bad. I will say that one thing that, that's helped me out with my throwing lately has been just playing a lot of catch with my son. It's baseball season. He's he's uh, he's mid-season. We've been working on doing a little pitch and stuff. You know, every every kid's got the dream of being the pitcher, and my, my man's a pretty decent little pitcher. He throws a lot of strikes. And he, he's got a little stank behind it. He's working on a little bit of a circle change, a little bit of a palm ball. Just something to kind of mix speeds up a little bit. When we're playing 12U baseball, we're not looking to be um, blowing, blowing guys over with, you know, 70-mile-an-hour fastballs and then, you know, try to break off some kind of crazy-looking 12-6. 12U baseball, the, the big thing is throwing strikes. Throwing strikes, filling up the zone, and, you know, you're going to trust your defense to a certain extent, but at least the league that he's in, it's, it's a, a pitcher's league for sure. So he did a hell of a job last night. Got his first first work in for the year on the mound. Pitched two innings. Gave up no runs. Three strikeouts. In a doozy of a game. Two extra innings. I, I had some sales lined up last night with some people. <laughs> I kind of left them hanging. We didn't get home till 11.30 last night. Left the house at just a little after 6 to get some other stuff done before we headed to the ballpark. And then didn't get back home until 11. It was a long night. But I was proud of those kids. They did so good. Uh, my man out there making some plays on defense. Just keeping the kids rallied up to. Coaching the kids is awesome. I'm just keeping booked, trying to keep the kids in line, organized. And that kind of thing. And even just doing that, it's a lot of fun. I, I can't get enough of it. But it was kind of crazy in kind of a gut-wrenching thing for these kids and it's hard but you got to remember I know I've harped on this before so I'm beating a dead horse here a little bit these kids are still learning the game I think people really lose touch of that when it comes to like kids this age you know obviously we're not playing to lose the game right we're playing to win but when we make mistakes it's important to positively tell the kid what we need to fix what we need to change don't just scream at him get in front of the ball stay in the box throw that ball like that's that's the kid doesn't need to be yelled at a kid needs to be corrected because 
you go off yelling at these kids, and this same stuff applies to adults. You can treat a child the same way you treat an adult, like a human being. But it's it's a it's a parenting thing. It's a it's a hard nosed coaching thing. And I'm not saying that sometimes kids don't need that stuff. But we're talking about twelve year olds, right? Twelve year olds. Coach them through what they did wrong. Don't yell at them. You know, when they come back in, don't 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 stand right there and say, "Hey." Keep your keep your head behind the ball. Keep your you know, get your butt down when you're feeling that ball. Don't yell that across the field at them. When they're coming off the field, when the inning is over, use that as your coaching opportunity. You know, say, hey, look, make sure we're doing this. Make sure we're doing that. Uh, you want to talk about the play there? You know, let's let's talk about what we could have did different there. What did you do? What did you think you could have did different? Coaching opportunities is what I call them. We got to look at it that way, not come down on someone for making a mistake. And like I said, the same thing goes for slow pitch, especially when you're kind of getting guys that are wet behind the ears, don't have a lot of experience. And and some people, you to be honest, and my, myself included in this, CJ, I don't know if you listen to these anymore, but just a prime example, I'll use myself. Um... CJ Spink has been on the podcast. He's, he's one of our local guys here in the Midwest. Great pitcher, phenomenal ball player, great pitcher. And, you know, somebody that I, I think of as one of the, the better pitchers in the area. And I'm pitching to <laughs> one of their bigger hitters from last year. He's actually playing in the, they're, they're actually, him and CJ are both playing on the same team. If, if anybody uh, in, around here is familiar with Steven Robs, that man can hit a ball. And he can hit a ball hard. And his swing is is very unique. It's not like ugly or weird or anything like that. But a lot of times as a pitcher, especially if you've got enough experience, you can get a read on where the ball is going, what the hitter is trying to do, what they've got in mind. Their swing can tell you that. Their approach can tell you that. Their pitch selection can tell you that, what they're interested. Like even if you're just trying to nibble, you're trying to nibble on a spot to see if they want to swing, their interest in that spot can also tell you what they're trying to do. But that man in his swing is, is one, lethal, and two, unpredictable. And it's not that he's a loose cannon. You just can't read it. He knows where it's going. But, man, when I pitched to him sometimes, I, I threw him a ball, and I'm thinking, like, man, I, I hung it over the outer half, and I'm thinking, like, dude, I'm getting ready to just get a, a, a bullet just hit at me. So I guess it's out of instinct. I didn't even realize I did it until CJ said something to me about it. Like I just I just turned my back and like I, I wouldn't say turn my back and ran like I turned like away from him and ran, but like I was backpedaling like turned like shoulders turned exposed my back like looking over my shoulder, trying to get the hell out of the way because I thought for sure he was gonna hit the ball back at me. It wasn't even close to me, but this guy hits the ball hard enough and I'm not scared of much. Uh, I'm just too dumb to be scared, but like his his stuff is just scary. So I, I go I go running back, backpedaling, looking over my shoulder with my glove up, like, please, for the love of God, if you're going to hit it, just let it go in my glove. And then I, I hear CJ barking at me, don't turn your back on the ball. And I was like, what? He, I, I say barking at me. He, he, was, he was obviously just giving constructive feedback, like I just talked about. 
So I, so I go up to him after the inning's over or whatever it was, and I was like, did I really turn my back on him? He says, yeah. He said, you had your back completely turned and exposed. Like, that ball hits you. It's going to mess you up. And I was like, hey, like, you know, thanks for the heads up. Like, had no clue I was doing that. Like, even playing against – and that's the thing about CJ. Even playing against the guy, you know, he's, he's willing to be like, hey, you know, don't do that. I'm not saying he's going to go out and have these coaching moments with everyone, but, you know, he and I being friends, like, he, he just, you know, wanted, wanted to say something to me. A, from a safety standpoint – and B is like a, hey, do this to get better kind of thing. So I've been trying to make it a conscious effort to be chested up when the batter is ready to take a swing, as terrifying as that is at times. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can definitely see where he's coming from, and I bet that's not the first time that I've done that. Just if I did it that out of instinct and didn't realize it, I, now I question how many times I have done it. But it seems like that. you got to be able to take feedback and constructive criticism and build on it. And it's about how it's given to you and how it's received sometimes. You know, if he was like, hey, you effing idiot, you know, don't, don't turn your back on the ball. Don't do this. Like, who's going to take that well? Whether you're on his team, whether you're his friend, whether you don't even know the guy. If he, hey, oh, you idiot, don't do that. Come on. You're going to mess around and get hurt and get him in trouble because he's hitting. Nobody's going to take that well. Level-headed approach always pays off. Jason Herndon says, uh, try, p- pitching slow, uh, try pitching senior ball against some former MLB players. Absolutely scary sometimes. Dude, listen, even guys that have had, like, extensive background in baseball, whether it be even, like, D1 or even a little bit of minor league ball, a lot of times those guys can hit, especially, and I've said it a million times, pitchers make the best hitters. So, like, <laughs> there's been times where I'm pitching against some of these guys thinking, like, God, please just don't hit it at me. So I, I, I can totally relate to that. Uh, but yeah, the, the MLB players playing senior ball is, is a completely different aspect. There's no doubt about that. All right, sorry, I'm getting caught up with everything here. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Jason says, you hit me up. You got you covered if you need a case of 11 inch. Yeah, I'll, uh, I may, may have to do that if we're needing them again anytime soon. Like I said, I don't think we're playing anywhere that's going to need an 11 inch anytime soon. She's not real big on playing the big co-ed stuff in most of the uh, local like podunk stuff is, you know, everybody's hits the same ball anyway. But if, if we get up in that situation, I'll hit you up, buddy. See, Thad says, uh, I play co-ed with some former D1 gals. They smash the 11-inch ball, keep me on my toes when I'm pitching. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. The, so they're, the good athletes, like the, the good women's athletes, dude, they can be kind of wild too because especially when it comes to like the lefties, if they want to slap and run a little bit. So we had this girl on our, on our uh, work team. She was uh, a pretty good, maybe want to say, Ended up in that school's Hall of Fame. She was that good at, at, at softball. Just the, the slap swing was just ridiculous. She was she was right-handed. She would hit right-handed, but if she just needed to get on base, which was it was the most awesome thing ever. Like she hit in front of me. I was I was really the only guy on the team that had any home run power. So it was just like you know just let him eat right. 
and we were in a game where it was the bottom of the seventh. She was hitting in front of me, and we we were down by one run, so we needed uh, one to tie and one to win, obviously, right? Two runs. So I told her, I was like, look, any way you can. And she gets in the left-handed batter's box, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, especially in a work league, but I'm thinking, what? why are you doing that? And then she gets up there and then takes her little slap swing and just, I mean, paints paints the, the left field line. Disgusting swing. And nobody was ready for it. Absolutely nobody was ready. She'd been hit right-handed the whole game. She gets to the left-handed batter's box. Like, literally everybody's like, what the heck is going on? Slaps it over there and then just could have walked to first base. And then I come up, come through with the home run, game over. And then she, I, I go, I looked at her, I go, that was sick. She just goes, well, you said get on base, so that's what I did. I was like, well, I mean, you did a good job. You did great. The, the slap swings are, are just almost unfair at times. And it's funny being, my wife being a lefty, why this is, I'll never understand. And my, my lefties can agree. A lefty comes up, we give them the bonds shift. Why? Why do we give every lefty the bonds shift? Why is that? That sounds like a good question for, for Facebook and probably YouTube as well over on the main channel. I'm going to ask that and just kind of see what kind of answers I get. Because I'm intrigued to know, like, why don't we do that to righties? But we do it to lefties. Food for thought. But anyway, so it's funny. You know, she'll come up, they'll, lefty! Like, everybody moves over. And then I've, I've seen her just paint the line. Absolutely paint the line. It's funny because she'll take the first pitch she gets and try and hit it over there. <laughs> she gets yourself in trouble doing that sometimes. We, we, I've taught her over the years to just be patient and wait on one to literally just roll down the line. She's gotten good enough to now to where... She can hit the top of it if she wants and just roll it down the line. She can hit a line drive down that line, down the left field line, slapping it over there. And it's so funny. There's been times if you're, again, familiar with the local area, you play at Rainbow. So it's the infield is all dirt, and then you hit where the grass is and where the transition of the grass is when you get to the foul territory. It turns to um, like black, like ground-up asphalt, leftover gravel kind of stuff. So it's just gravel all the way to the fence. So if she can manage to paint the line good enough that it'll hit the dirt, roll past the bag, and then roll hit the, the second it hits that gravel, go pick it up from the fence. Just start running to the fence because that's where it's going. And it's not even like she hit it that hard. It's just the fact that it rolls that fast once it gets there. I've seen her get a triple. I've seen her get a triple on a ball that the third baseman could have fielded with his teeth. It was it was not that she hit it bad. She just finessed it down the line. And you end up with a triple out of something like that. It's just so funny. I love seeing that stuff, whether it's her doing it, whether it's uh, somebody in the MLB doing it. If you're a Cardinals fan, you remember Matt Adams from back in the day? Matt Adams made a living on that for a while. And you're starting to see more guys wanting to hit against the shift, right? We're, we're, we're shifting real big in the MLB. We're doing all these crazy shifts. You know, it's become the new way of playing baseball, it seems like. But more guys are trying to go the other way. Because if you can manage to get it the other way, it, it's a guaranteed hit almost. But I have noticed that a lot of times the lefties hit it right at the shortstop. And maybe that's just, you know, by design, whatever else. But you're also enticing the lefty to hit over there. And especially if it's something that they've been working on, you're going to talk them into doing that. Especially as a pitcher too in slow pitch. 
like if I know a guy, you got to know your people, right? If I know for a fact I've got a guy, even being right-handed, there'll be times where I'll, I'll, full disclaimer, just feel like being a shithead. We'll shift on a righty, especially playing co-ed. We'll shift on a righty, give the righty the bond shift because all he wants to do is hit at the girls. Then he gets mad, so I'll feed him inside. He's going to do one of two things. So when when we do that, I'll kind of fill over and play a little bit of the... Obviously, we've got our third baseman coming to play short. I'll kind of fill the in-between of in-between the bag. Like if you were standing at home plate, I'm filling the hole between basically the bag, the second base bag, and the shortstop. So when he's trying to actually pull a ball, there's times where I've seen these guys that can't even pull a ball. They're so conditioned to hit a ball to the right side. So they're going to do one of two things. They're going to hit it right at me, or they're going to hit it right at the shortstop. It it works well. I dig it. It works well. I'm not saying the shift isn't a bad thing, but I just never understand why everybody always automatically shifts the lefties. So Jason says we play pretty much straight up nowadays. And I think more more people, the level you go up, you don't see a lot of that. But I'm a big believer in, unless we know for, unless we know this lefty and I'll do the same thing with a righty. If I've got a righty up that like I know wants to just blast the ball down the, down the third base line or or blast the ball in the left center gap, I'll move everybody. And I'm not afraid to put myself out there either. If it needs to be me going and filling, I've even done it before where, Pitching to, again, we're doing the righty shift. We're doing the lefty shift for the right-handed batter. If he gives me the indication on a pitch that he wants to try and hit one down the third baseline, dude, I'll just pitch it and run to the third baseline. Like, at least I'm there to knock it down and keep him from getting a double because in that situation, like, we're being aggressive enough with him. He's going to be aggressive enough back to probably try and, and leg out second base, right? Because he's the guy that wants to put the ball and play and run. Run like his ass is on fire. So he's probably going to go for a double if the ball is even through the infield. So I'll go over there and, and lay in front of it if I have to to knock it down. I've even did that for the other way around. When we're talking righties, I'll go fill a hole somewhere. I'll even go fall off to the pull side of the righty just to give that much more of a look. Uh, stand by for just a second. I've got a phone call here I have to take. This is unexpected. Of course. So I'm going to tell you one story to tell you another story. So this one time... I'm at school, right? Little shithead high schooler. Got my Nokia flip phone in my pocket. I'm big stuff. Well, I had forgot to put my phone on vibrate. And my phone starts ringing in class. We're in music class. Phone starts ringing. And I'm immediately like, oh, dang. Phone's ringing. So you know, I look at the teacher and she looks at me. And, and she was she was cool. As much as she shouldn't have been cool with us, she was. Bless her heart. As she looks at me and she's like, go ahead, you know, like get it, get it out. Like, let's, let's see what's going on. So I see it's my dad. I was like, it's my dad. It's like dad never calls. Right. So I think something's wrong. So I answer the phone. My dad called me at school to tell me a joke that he had just heard. <laughs> my dad is out there, like out there. Dude, dude is just why like complete wild card. I think maybe he's been in a vlog once or twice. I always said I was going to have him on a podcast, but I don't know if I've got enough bleep buttons for that thing. 
he he's out there, complete wild card. Never know what he's going to say. Never know what he's going to do. So he calls me at school, knows I'm at school, tells me a joke. I was like, well, Dad, I'm at school. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I knew you were. I just want to tell you that joke. All right, bye. And just hung the phone up. So I'm sitting over here just like, what the hell? And she says, is everything all right? And I said, yeah. I said, he called to tell me a joke. And she just kind of rolled her eyes. And she, you know, I had to go give her my phone for the rest of the period, which is, again, totally fair. But I'm walking out. She goes, I'm just curious. What was the joke? As I'm walking out, she hands my phone back. So I told her the joke, and she just rolled her eyes, and she just goes, next time your dad calls, let's just not answer it and let him leave a voicemail. I said, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) He just called me at 10 o'clock at night. I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, man, something's wrong. I knew they'd been having air conditioner issues at the house. Uh, They've got a dog that's just as old as my 13-year-old son that's not really doing all that hot. So I'm thinking, like, man, something's wrong, right? I answer the phone, and he's laughing. I'm like, oh, great. I've been had. I've been duped. And he tells me about this video. I have not seen said video about Tom Brady making fun of Peyton Manning's forehead. Is this ringing a bell to anybody? I I halfway thought about looking this up and just letting this be the closing moment of the podcast here. Let's, Let's do that, actually. Is it like a, a TikTok looking thing, Jason? Is that what I'm looking for here? Must be, yeah. Okay. Alright, so here we go. Unbelievable. Okay, so let's just pull this up. It says, Tom Brady mocks Peyton Manning's forehead using this camera angle. And then the tweet that he puts with it says, uh, the kids over on TikTok are calling this a Peyton Manning angle. Rude! And to be fair, that is funny. Because if you don't know Peyton Manning, if you follow football, you know that man's got a big-ass forehead. (laughs) It's funny. Tom Brady out here working with his big-ass forehead look. That is funny. I'm not going to lie. Poor Peyton Manning. What a forehead, right? Hyped up to see what's going to happen with uh, said Arch Manning. Supposed to be a nephew of Peyton and Eli. I guess he's like the new hype. We'll see what's going on with that. I'm excited for football season. Very excited for football season. But listen... This was kind of a squirrely podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm tired. Very tired. I was late, but we hit 45 minutes. And that's what that's all that's all I can give you tonight, guys. So thanks for stopping in, checking out season seven, episode twenty-five, Firing from the Hip podcast. 
potentially back next week. I'll pre-record just in case. So with all that being said, thanks for stopping in and checking it out. Sweetheart, in case you hit it, BP Hero, catch you next time. Oh, real quick, Thad says, any exciting reviews coming up? I've been swinging the 2022 MR1 Fun Bat. Um, not any Junos in the immediate future. Trying to stick with headbanger-specific stuff right now. That's that's all I can tell you for that. Uh, just from a standpoint of it's easy to access. It's stuff I can sell. Not that I'm like in the job of sales, right? But... Oh, Kyle, I'll text you here, and, or I'll, I'll answer your message here in just a minute. Um, just trying to keep the headbanger stuff moving, right? Because I'm pushing business elsewhere. It's not only not good for me, but it's not good for headbanger. What's good for headbanger is good for me. If I'm pushing business elsewhere, uh, uh, it's just not really the play right now, in my opinion. So... That's that for now as far as the Junos go. I might get one in just to have a Juno in, in the back, you know, in the in the works. But uh, there's not going to be a bunch of them, I can tell you that, unless it's something that a Headbanger plans on carrying. I do not believe there's anything in the immediate future coming for the Junos from Headbanger. Don't quote me on that. could be wrong. But as far as my knowledge goes, there's nothing coming soon. So, that being said, thanks for our... <clears throat> Words are hard. Thanks for stopping in and checking it out. Swing hard in case you hit it. BP Hero, catch you next time. Oh, God, Jason, you're killing me. <laughs> Just kidding. So, Pure, getting into ASA. Yes, uh, Pure is dabbling into ASA. I saw their live video. Um, actually been working behind the scenes with them a little bit on some of their prototype testing. Uh, they sent us one. Really, really, really like what I saw. I, I can't get into a whole bunch of details. I'm not going to, so don't ask. It's not what you think it's going to be. I can tell you that. I liked it a lot, but we're still in the, in the uh, early point, preliminary things from what I understand. It, I will say, shout out to them. Big shout out to them for thinking of me and wanting my feedback and input on this. That's cool. That's all I've ever wanted. So uh, it, it's It's cool. To kind of be uh, what you might say a part of that process. Even to just like kind of spitball ideas and, and kind of run things back and forth with them. They they seem to know what they're doing on the engineering side of things. And the fact that they value my input means a lot to me. So yes, they are working on something ASA. Tested a little bit of it. They said if they come up with something as good or better or something that's going to work out better. Then they'll send me that so I can see what's going on with that. And the big thing that I love about this whole thing, I've had a few different companies send me prototypes or want to send me this or send me that. I, I asked him, I said, are you wanting video of this? He says, no, I just want your input. Score one for you guys. You're not trying to get me to push your product. You just want to see what I think about it. I love that because I don't feel the pressure to say, hey, this thing is nice. I don't feel the pressure to say, oh, this is going to be the next one or you know, and then they're saying, what do you think? Well, we like this and we think that. There's no pressure. It's just swing it, see what you think, let us know. What more could you ask for? Literally, what more could you ask for? Um, I had a company reach out to me like, hey, we want to start up a bat company. They were apparel. They wanted to start up with some bats. 
doing the Chinese eBay thing and again sniffed it out right away. And they were like, you know, what'd you think? We, you know, doing this and doing that. And I was like, man, look, I, I, I did not, was not my thing. Was not really all that fun at all. This is exactly what it felt like. And they said, well, it's supposed to come from the same place that these bats are coming from. Did it feel like one of those? I said, man, not really. I don't know what they told you or what they sold you, but you didn't get the same thing as what they got. And they were wanting video. They were wanting promotion and all this stuff. And it just puts me in a jam. You know? I don't... I don't like that. I genuinely appreciate someone wanting to value my input. But for me to be your promo sales guy, you have to pay me or something. Or come up with something that's like worth talking about. And I'm not even sure I'd let you pay me to do it. Because I'm not really a sellout. I'm going to call it how it is. 100%. Kyle wants to know, why doesn't HB sell the confetti not a lie? I don't have a straightforward answer on that. I don't know. I haven't heard why, but I'm going to speculate that because they didn't sell well last year. They weren't, I know there's people that raved about them, did not care for them, honestly. And I don't know if if they didn't either. Maybe they didn't. I'm assuming they probably didn't sell well, so they didn't uh, restock it again this year. I've noticed there are some Marinis that are on the website that they don't carry. And I would say that's mainly from a we don't want to sit on it until it sells kind of thing. Because then you end up with uh, stuff like you've got right now with the Freak 9Rs from last year still sitting on the shelves. And the Freak 9R was a great bat and they can't get rid of them. Uh, imagine a bat that didn't sell well. More on that coming soon. Stop asking me questions so I can leave. Season 7, episode 25 in the books. Swing hard in case you hit it. BP's out of beep. Oh my God, words are hard again. BP Heroes out of here. Swing hard in case you hit it. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>